0: Yeah.
1: It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred.
0: Speaking his mind.
1: I've never had a problem expressing my opinions. But what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way.
2: Exploring hot topics.
1: Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I'm
0: spreading the gospel of drag racing.
1: I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come. But I want more for this sport. And I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport. Drag racing. The West Bucks show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, West Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine checking in. It is Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. Hope you guys are doing well. We have Dare I say it, yet again, the drinking game begins at four after the hour. We've got a barn burner for you guys here today. We will be joined this afternoon. It's incredible, to be honest. It's a little bit of like a pinch me. Let me turn this music down. Um, A little bit of a pinch me moment for me personally, to be honest. Uh, Got to check in with the one, the only, Don Schumacher, uh, incredible conversation that we're going to share with you guys. I actually spoke to Don a little bit before the show, uh, but we're going to air that here right now. We're also going to be joined live by the one, the only, I would argue, amongst the greatest to ever do it, and I believe the best pure natural driver alive, Erica Enders, uh, a little bit later in the show. We're also going to check in with first-time NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycle winner, Joey Gladstone, and we're going to hear from the one, the only, Art Kendrick from Redline Oils, longtime supporter of us here at Drag Illustrated Magazine and, of course, the West Buck Show. I want to welcome you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Holy cow. It's amazing uh, to think about being 270-ish issues into this. uh, Issues. Oh, my goodness. There's my print. My print is showing. uh, My print magazine is showing 270-some episodes into uh, the West Buck Show. And I got to say, We couldn't do any of this without each and every one of you. It is such an honor. It is a privilege, and it's a real joy to join you guys every week to talk about all the goings-on in the sport of drag racing, talk to a lot of the biggest names, the biggest stars in the sport, and, uh, again, we can't do it without you. Please do us a solid. Hook your brother up. Click like. Click share. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Help us spread the gospel of drag racing. We have a lot of work to do here in the next couple of hours so let's waste no time uh and i'll introduce you to my co-hosts my partners in crime the one the only mike carpenter jt hudson what's up boys what's, what's up? up oh man you know me I'm it's okay here. let your print show let my let print it show. show man be proud you just, of it. you stole my i was gonna say shaking babies and kissing hands there, I'm gonna oh, start okay. saying that shaking yeah. babies and kissing hands, baby.
3: Yeah, I like your other version. better. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. not supposed to we, shake babies anymore. We, we don't want to get in yeah. I know with people like, get really upset. <laughs> some parent that. group or something like
1: that. Yeah, it's already happened a couple of times, guys. What's going on, man? Did you guys have a good weekend. Yeah. yeah. Man,
3: don't don't ever ask JT about his weekend. We might have to extend the show if we're gonna dive into JT's weekend. instant regret.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I suppose you won a golf tournament somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Got. Well, I got second okay Dude, man how would you have done if you didn't hard, drink though. we partied really hard how would you have done if you didn't drink <laughs> better mate <laughs> I,
3: I, I
4: probably I know, worse man, you, you I, would I, probably I, be I, the I, worst get golfer of all I get, time i get better when i am drinking because then i get more confident i get really cocky and then i'm like
3: oh, yeah,
1: i got it <laughs> you get more confident and cocky oh, yeah wow. i know right yeah, that, yeah that's really
3: <laughs> that's really what we need I'm oh more cocky and confident, man. JT. Uh, man, is, I'm curious,
1: look, real quick, Mike, uh, is the Western is the NHRA yeah. Western Swing living up to the hype? I, I, I we think it is. have to talk
3: about, I mean, that's what dominated the weekend. The Western Swing, I think, has just exceeded expectations so far. And I even see a ton of people, like NHRA people, announcers, talking about how awesome Sonoma was. I'm kind of jealous that Yeah. we didn't make the trip out. We've got to make the trip. One of these years to Sonoma. One of these years i next year. Do some wine tasting. You know, uh, Lisa Mickler at Denzo. Can we get an invite to your yeah, party? Yeah, long time friend of the
1: show. Long
3: time year, friend of Drag we Illustrated. Need, we need that. So if you invite us to your awesome uh,
0: dinner, totally. Anytime we'll, people we'll make the trip.
1: Anytime people are checking in at Stag's Leap winery or cake bread cellars, I'm like, okay, we, we missed the party. Like, yeah, if that's did. where you're checking in, um, I wish I would have been there. However, JT. I I'm wouldn't fit not in. Not a I'd wine be like, guy. You wouldn't fit in. I would be like, you can think there's a screw
4: top. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> anything sweeter than this? Because if I have to try one of those, one more of those dry wines, I'm probably oh going to sleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: we, we'd have to leave you at the
1: hotel. But I, I got to tell you guys, this, man. It, go ahead, Mike. You're well, trying to just, steal my thunder. I'm yeah, sure. I, I'm
3: I'm I just cooler. wanted to say that normally I think we, we sort of perceive this time of year in the racing schedule to be a little bit of a, a lull or downtime, but the Western Swing and everything else that's going on has kind of carried its weight this year. and yeah. it, it feels like there's more going on right now, more news breaking, more things going on, more storylines than we've had in kind of the dog days of summer for quite a while.
1: The, the Western swing, I almost, when I would look at it from afar, I'm going, man, there is something special about sending all these teams out on the road, right, for back-to-back-to-back weekends. And I understand, obviously, that it's a grueling ordeal uh, and, and all the challenges that go along with it. However, man, it really does pack a whole lot of racing in a specific region of the country all together, and it gives us something to care about, right? I mean, because... I get frustrated, not frustrated, but I I do start to wonder sometimes when I hear interview after interview after interview from specifically NHRA pro category drivers that are like, "Ah, everything that happens before the countdown doesn't really matter, you know, and it's I get it. I mean, it's kind of like basketball and football before the playoffs start. I mean, there's the regular season doldrum or whatever, but. It is nice to have people excited about something. I guess uh, all hopes of a sweep have vanished. So all the talk we did about that is—I call uh, that for huh? not,
3: huh? You Come know. on, but way come to go, on. JT. Come on, your pessimism, yeah, you did call
1: it, man. Your pessimism really <laughs> pessimism. saved the day there. <laughs> it, I, it, the stage was set. You have to agree. The stage was ten thousand percent set for someone. I was looking at Robert Height or Erica yeah. Enders. It just seemed. It seemed like a lock. And honestly, Bob Tasca the third, he actually referenced it in his post-race interview after winning the NHRA Sonoma Nationals. He goes, you know, hey, Robert Height was basically predicting or or claiming that he was going to sweep the swing. And you know, we saw how that w- worked out. I mean Yeah, he
3: definitely had was the odds on favorite to sweep sure. the swing after Denver.
1: And honestly, I, I thought if if Pro Stock
3: Motorcycle ran in Seattle, I was going with a Matt Smith swing or swing sweep. But Uh, The rule changes, everything involved with that whole deal, and, of course, they don't race at Seattle. But those two looked the most dominant. We thought Erica would be the most dominant on the swing going into it. Uh, Didn't happen in Denver, but she made up for it in Sonoma.
1: And it was cool to see one of my favorite storylines of the weekend. And let's, let's give a huge shout out to uh, uh, Blake Fontenelle, the, the new Drag Illustrated video product. Uh, we're very excited about it. The 3.30 going to drop every Monday evening. Uh, a little recap of the weekend. And it was cool to see... Leah Pruitt carry on some of that now she wasn't able to you know seal the deal and win and, and double up, go back to back, but to qualify uh, to win the race in Denver and carry that momentum over to Sonoma, qualify number one with a really impressive run, and just look like they're getting into championship form i mean and i guess you guys are much bigger stick and ball sports fans than i am but does this i mean does this type of thing happen a lot where you you kind of stumble along and you're learning things and you're putting pieces together and then all of a sudden it starts to gel right at the right time i mean could we see leah be a championship contender this year
4: yeah it's a hell of a lot better to uh, get hot later in the season and start figuring things out than to go the other direction which happens a lot so
3: um
4: i mean i think it's great and then and, like, Erica is just on a tear. <laughs> I mean, Jeez Louise. What a, yeah. what a season she's having. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, don't <laughs> want, I wouldn't want to line up next year.
1: Yeah, especially the way that they've looked this season. And, obviously, we will touch and base uh, with Erica here in just a few short minutes. But, man, they really are having a hell of a season. I think this is a career year for her. And that's saying something when you've won four NHRA World uh, World Championships in pro stock of all categories, man. Yes. But And wire-to-wire uh, win. Number oh. one qualifier. Ran the, table. the race, yeah. Ran right. the table. I mean, you just and don't see that type of to, thing at it, that level.
3: Well, and back to Leah, too, running on Denver running in Denver is a completely different scenario than any other track. And I think having performance there doesn't translate to running well. Everywhere else, and you go from Denver, 100 degrees, 10,000 feet of elevation, to Sonoma. Everybody was sea running level. around in, in jackets. Hashtag yeah, I know, right? And, and, it's dry and crisp, and 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 just perfect. And she goes out there and goes number one. I think that said a lot about the performance of the team and leading into the countdown and the end of the year that they can go from winning the race in Denver and what it takes to do that, and even though she didn't win the race in Sonoma, go out and be number one qualifier. In Sonoma, that in itself to me sort of speaks to the strength of that team and the performance of the car.
1: The, the only person that's not on the show this week that I wanted to talk to is Brittany Force. Man, I mean, yep. that performance in the fi- in well, we're going to get a chance. Uh, we're going to get a chance.
3: So. We got some big stuff coming up uh, for oh, Indy. Stay interrupt. tuned, guys. We're gonna we're gonna have some big stuff, big announcements for the West Buck Show going into Indy. And we we've got a we've got another big announcement too West. Do you want to break the news
1: quick. on? Before, on this? Let's yeah, on let's that. go ahead and do that. Um, this is a big thing that we've been working on for a considerable amount of time. It's no secret that we're big fans and and partners with the team at flowracing.com, the world leader in sports live streaming, uh, the central nervous system for all things drag racing live streaming, especially here in 2022. We partnered with them to start this year to to help spread the gospel, spread the message that is Flow Racing. I mean, I got to be honest. I was having this conversation with Brett Kepner last week, and it's and Brett Kepner. This is a, a historian, a legend in our sport, and he talked about how even from home, he's able to t- to consume more drag racing content. Now he, he said to me, he goes, Wes, between Flow Racing and nhra.tv. I don't need to leave the house. He said the same I, thing I, to me. I, I, I can I see about. everything I want to see and, and with it, from the comfort of my own home. And it's incredible the service that flow racing provides the racing industry and in the reach in the amount of eyeballs that they provide race promoters from all across the country. But we have uh, kind of doubled down on that relationship here, headed into the second half of 2022. And I'm proud to announce I me. Mean, we'll, there's some. Final details that are being ironed out that I think we're going to uh, uh, put out later this week. But working with Courtney Ender's, who has just joined the, the team at Flow Racing, we're basically th- the West Buck Show is going big time, man. We're going to be syndicated. I mean, for the first time. I mean, this is a big move for us. Not only will the West Buck Show be available via Drag Illustrated's Facebook page and YouTube channel, and of course everywhere iTunes or excuse me, everywhere podcasts are sold or downloaded, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, the list goes on, but also. Via flow Racing.com, which uh, an incredible platform that uh, will put our our conversations with racers from around the sport in front of a a huge audience and add value. That's the coolest thing about the team at flow is they are constantly turning over stones, uh, beating the brush for opportunities to provide more value to their subscribers. And it's I don't know, it kind of feels like a feather in our cap collectively, guys, to be included in that. Yeah, 100 percent. I'm I think sorry, we're
3: going to have our own page on flow racing, our own kind of landing page. You're going to be able to catch all the clips with our, uh, individual interviews, uh, and everything we've got going on. Uh, a huge deal. And I think flow racing, if anything, it will serve to get this show and may, and drag racing in front of a, a wider audience, much the way, like if you're a flow subscriber and you only subscribe really for drag racing, I'm sure you've seen some outlaw sprint right. stuff. You've seen some, uh, maybe other sports that that they carry outside of motorsports in general and i think it really uh if we're going to reach a wider audience and kind of preach the gospel of drag racing as we say on the intro of the show that this is a key step in that
0: they have
4: so much content you know and with like dirt track and circle track and all the different types of stuff and it's good to see that uh courtney's trying to get more drag racing content on there and i think this is a good start And I'm really excited about getting.
1: I mean, when you start start talking about tens and tens of thousands of subscribers, if not hundreds of thousands of subscribers, adding to the drag racing to the millions and millions millions, and (laughs) millions. Uh, No, I mean it's it's a huge deal, and we really appreciate it, man. It's uh, this is a group of people who, if we table everything table everything table your feelings about live streaming table your feelings about internet connection uh, you know uh, table the fact that you're you're on a, a windows 95 right now table that <laughs> what these guys and gals are doing this is a big deal for the sport like we need drag racing in front of more people like this is the great american motorsport you guys have heard me guys and gals have heard me say this 10 million times since the second car rolled off the assembly line we've been racing these sons of guns and the fact that drag racing doesn't have more of a footprint in the mainstream sports landscape is our fault only it's 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 our responsibility to change that and when i see people like those at flow racing being excited about our sport man it's a big deal so hey before we dive into our first segment of the west buck show a Really wide ranging and exciting interview with the one, the only Don Schumacher after a let's actually let's touch base on that real quick before I go into a sponsor read. uh, Guys, I'm sure you followed. This was a big news moment over the weekend. For those that don't know, news broke that. Don Schumacher Racing had sold majority interest in its top fuel operation, the one driven by, led by Tony Schumacher, Todd Okahara, that team that has been sponsored by SCAG throughout 2022, sold majority interest in that team to Joe Maynard and family, and Maynard Family Racing, him and his wife, longtime supporters of the sport of drag racing, huge fans, partnered with DSR early in 2022 to get Tony Schumacher out on the racetrack, compete for a championship, the dream from the Maynard family's perspective has been to field a top fuel team. That's a, a personal dream that they have had. They secured that deal this weekend in Sonoma and as of Monday took over a uh, complete operation of Tony Schumacher's top fuel team. So this was a big deal that was kind of interpreted in a multitude of ways. Right, guys? Like, I think there were people that saw this and went, oh, no is Don bailing on is Don Schumacher bailing on drag racing is this Which
3: if he was even if he was can you blame I mean the guys yeah. the guys done as much as anyone for NHRA drag racing in the last 2 decades can't argue So even if he was but he's but not we and that's be okay and, with that, and it, it was funny okay.
1: because if you look on social media there was one post after another about is this the end of an era is this the end of a dynasty is this a changing of the guard and i think all of these are fair questions but it felt you know here at drag illustrated we felt it was important to try to actually get his perspective, what's he trying to accomplish? What does this mean for DSR? What does it mean for Don's relationships in, in drag racing um, moving forward? And we were lucky enough to get to check in with Don this morning. Uh, but real quick, I do want to remind you guys that each and every episode of the West Buck show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seatbelts to fire suits, gloves and blankets all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com and make sure you tell those guys we sent you. Thank you so much for your support. Tommy Cunningham, and Anita, the whole team up there in Oklahoma City at Stroud. Guys, let's get right into this, dare we? Um, let, let's yep. let the man speak for himself, and we will, uh, we'll bounce out, all right? And I guess let's start with... What's gone on the last few days, it's been a a big, huge seismic happening in the sport of drag racing. If you ask me, you're someone who has been seemingly permanently attached to the sport of drag racing. But last week, news broke. uh, I believe it was on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening out at the Sonoma Nationals in California that you had expanded your partnership with Joe Maynard and the Maynard Family Racing Operation but naming them or essentially making them primary owners of your top fuel operation. I think this was interpreted widely as Don's bailing. It's over. Um, I think it was a little exaggerated, right? But it it is a shift for you. Could you kind of lay the groundwork or explain to us the inner workings of how this deal with uh, Joe Maydard and and family came to be?
5: Well, let's go back first to I've been in drag racing for A lot of years since mid 60s. I stepped away to build Schumacher Electric for a number of years during the late 70s and 80s and came back in 98 with Tony in an Exide batteries car and expanded my operation as a businessman that has business opportunities would do. To the point that I think I ran eleven or twelve teams one year, out at uh, uh, Denver, namely, and and part of the the balance of the year. But I've had a lot of teams under my umbrella for a lot of years. I'm still involved with the Maynards team. It's part my team also. I'm not stepping away from drag racing. I will be out there when I choose to go out there. Uh, There is nothing health-wise that's causing me to do this. There's nothing financial-wise that's causing me to do this. This was done because it's a dream that Joe and Kathy Maynard have had. And they brought that to me earlier this year. And I said, let's see if we can figure out a way to accomplish what you want to accomplish. I'll still be involved. DSR and DSR performance parts are tied to NHRA drag racing for years to come. And I will be for years to come. But I always try to do what the right thing is for my sponsors, my team members, meaning employees and for the sport of NHRA drag racing. And that's how the transition last at the end of last year put a number of other teams under separate ownership. Is it best to have this mega team owner out out there? And yes, I've been I know I've been good for the sport of NHRA drag racing for a lot of years, but it's a time to transition that. And that I'm makes com- sense. Yeah, I'm comfortable with the transition that Tony Stewart has a two-car operation. Antron's got a one-car operation, looking to expand upon that. Ron Cap's has a one-car operation. Now the Maynards have a one-car operation. I'm comfortable with all of those things that has changed my day-to-day responsibility and, and involvement. So this has been a very comfortable, good transition and I look forward to it being nothing but the best for number one, the Maynards, both Joe and Kathy. Two, my employees that are still employed by DSR, and the employees that will be under the Maynards and the employees that are working for Tony Stewart, the employees that are working for Ron Capps, all of these people are family members that have been with me for a lot of of years. I mean, all of the people that are working for Antron Brown. it's all positives is the way I see it. I don't see this any of this being a negative for the sport, for my employees or the sponsors.
1: Well, could it not be argued? A couple things. First, could it not be argued that this is like a proud moment? I mean, it, God forbid we were in a situation where nobody wanted to be a, a team owner, right? I mean, it, to me, I get a little excited um, or at least am able to see an obvious positive that there are people such as the Maynards, such as Ron Cap, such as on Antron Brown, such as Tony Stewart that see opportunity here, or at least have a dream that they see as as something worth chasing. Right? I mean, it's nice to know that it. I've often pointed at uh, people such as yourself, Don, John Force, Connie Coletta, as something of uh, the the oak. the the oak beam in the center of the circus tent, right? Like holding it up. And it's kind of nice in some instances to see there being more sticks, I guess, right? I mean, do you see this as a positive thing? Like just for the overall scope that there's interest and apparently opportunity in our sport for people to become independent team owners?
5: I see it as a real positive. Uh, I feel the same way as I continue to look to, go forward in the sport, whether that be with my the three factory shootout teams that I run and an expansion back into the nitro classes, whether that be top fuel or funny car. I, I see this last year and a half or two years as a positive for NHRA drag racing.
1: I couldn't agree more, and I'm glad to hear you say that. Continuing along the the family line, is there a certain amount of you that feels like a proud papa? Like, I'm sure it's just like watching your kids leave the nest, I hear about it from my mom every time we talk, how bad she misses me, right? And it's like, I mean, do you have some of those feelings? Like, uh, maybe not the empty nest part, but nice to see these folks go off and find their own way and and have the passion and courage, you know, right, in some instances to go out and try to pursue this on their own?
5: Best answer I can give you is I don't think there's any Parent that is excited when their child drives away from the house to go off to college that day? Great answer. Uh, let, let me answer that question in the future. Uh, I'm not unhappy. I'm very happy with what has transpired. I feel I'm doing, like I said, the best thing for my sponsors, for the sport of NHRA drag racing, and my employees, I feel it's all a positive. Everybody's going forward, uh, and not relying on just one individual. Uh, so it, it's, I see it all as a positive. But I can't answer that question. That I, uh, I'm sending the kids off to college or somewhere else. That I, am proud of that, or or unhappy. I'm not unhappy with anything. Let's go yeah, yeah, none of this is a negative uh in any light at all. The changes that have taken place here in in my racing world over the last 3 years, I am not unhappy at all. When you look back, um
1: you know, it's it's well documented your uh, ability and your um one of the things that you're credited for, I was reading your entry into the Motorsports Hall of Fame, and it was talking about the Wonder Bread relationship, and you mentioned Exide Batteries, and there's, there, there's a laundry list of companies that you've been associated with over the years, Napa, Dodge, of course, um, the U.S. Army, unbelievable uh, what you guys accomplished together there what do you make of like the landscape business-wise in drag racing right now we do see seem to be seeing uh, an influx of some new teams we've seen some new corporate sponsors show up but we do hear some of the same things and fields aren't you know we don't we're not back to 20 some odd cars uh, consistently do you feel like the environment is good right now for for drag racing specifically i know there's some uncertainty uh, um, in the world but looking at what we're kind of operating in right now do you feel like there's a a good climate will we ever see you know are we going to see more and more new sponsors or what's your take on like the business part of drag racing right now especially at the NHRA level
5: I think everybody would tell you that business is very difficult right now are we in a recession are we going to be in a recession in 24 if you talk to the business people they will tell you that there's a maybe 20, 25% chance that we will go in a recession in 22, but that percentage goes up to 40 to 50% in 2023. Uh, all of that is a concern and a worry for me business-wise for all of motor sports. When you're out there looking for that marketing dollar and sales are not, increasing uh it's hard to talk those companies into supporting a multi-million dollar operation for any type of motorsports. so i i have my my concerns and my worries with where we're at in this economy and politically where we're at uh, today and where we're at in the world so uh, there's always that concern and i I've never really been a pessimist. I really strive to go forward and look to expand it. And I mean, I'm looking forward to bringing out another fuel team for 2023. So I'll just leave it at that and uh, keep working in that direction. You can't change what has happened one minute ago. You can only work towards change in the future encouraging
1: uh and i I, it is encouraging i mean do you feel and i honestly i we line up exactly on that because i have my concerns as well uh however when i look at the sport right now it does feel like our platform uh you've seen drag racing nhra championship drag racing go through the the well my goodness the the wild world of sports era abc espn you've seen this evolution over time now we're on fox and. I don't know about you but i kind of stick my chest out every once in a while you know i'll turn on the tv and there's nfl football on and there's drag racing on or there's major league sports or nascar and there's drag racing right beside it what what do you make of the the platform of nhra drag racing right now but from the the action we see on social media the following some of these drivers have um the uh the, the willingness for some of these sponsors to activate these relationships but the tv and such i mean do you feel What's your take on where the platform is right now?
5: I think the sport is in a very good place right now. The headwinds that we have in front of us for the balance of this year and next year is certainly worrisome with what's going on in this world. But again, put your head down, keep working hard, (laughs) and don't worry about those kind of things. And you'll be successful. That's that's the way I've always looked at things my whole life. And uh, I've been very fortunate. I've been blessed with being able to surround myself with great people that have done a great job for me. That means every crew chief, every driver, every crew person, every management person, all my hospitality staff, all, all of that has been uh, a very rewarding situation for me uh forget about the championships and the amount of race wins that i've had out there those are all overwhelming numbers i never imagined that i would hit, win Indian 1970 no less the amount of nhra national meets that i've won and never I think that
1: number's three what 366 that's almost hard it's a mouthful right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I mean, did was that even on your radar? Like when you go back to field and phone calls and people wanting you to uh, show up for match races and you're going, oh, I got to build more funny cars. I can't uh, satisfy all these dates. Did ever in your wildest dreams, did you think drag racing would get to the point that it could support something like you mentioned, 11, 12 teams, or even one that cost millions of dollars to run here in 2022?
5: I never imagined that at all. And that's a- That and I was wore out when I stepped away from the sport in 74. Uh, You know, wife, children, wasn't at home at all, racing cars over in England, racing three different teams here in the United States. And it was just, uh, it was the right thing for me to do for my life, for business and NHRA certainly grew and expanded from there. I mean, the Winston days and, and all of those things that transpired after I exited the sport didn't transpire because I exited the sport. Those are steps that, that took place and we have to look forward to the future. I I never imagined that I w- would win one NHRA national race. When I won Indian in 1970, I, I was blown away by that and, uh, you know, my crew chief at that point was John Hogan, God bless him, he's passed away. Uh, but we created a lot of noise out on the West Coast the two years before that and on the match race circuit and such and it allowed me to go to Indy and win the Nationals against uh, Leroy Goldstein and the Ram Charger car and kind of set set the stage for a larger career than I ever thought I would have. And I never imagined even coming back into the sport. (laughs) So, I mean,
1: it, it's amazing to think about exiting like that. I mean, and it's funny because who knows what the future holds, right? I mean, I look at you right now and I see a spry guy full of smiles and energy. Like, uh, who knows what 23 looks like? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see you right back. Like, you mentioned uh, another top fuel operation. I'm curious, you talked about putting your head down and going to work. I think sometimes people don't understand. The, the scope of what you guys do at DSR, that was one of the things that Megan and I have talked about and, and Allison, uh, your, your, some of your team surrounding your daughter and Allison, your PR um, uh, representative. There's a lot going on at Don Schumacher Racing at any given time, far beyond uh, nitro team operation. Can you give us a little insight? I mean, earlier this year, unveiled uh, your new crate engine for the, I believe that Challenger sitting right behind you. Um, You guys have all sort, you provide parts to a slew of teams. I know you're working on developing even more parts. I mean, you guys clearly are keeping your heads down and working. Can you give um, our our viewers like just a little bit of an insight as to what all you guys are doing right now
5: there within the walls of the shop in Brownsburg? I believe we have 35 CNC machines here that are building race parts, defense parts, aerospace parts, parts for the fishing industry. Uh, We we have a large machine shop operation that's probably 75,000 square feet right now. We keep pushing. The race teams to different areas in the race shop because the uh, the machine shop keeps expanding. We have our own fab shop. We build chassis for ourselves and a lot of other teams. Uh, the teams that are here. Uh, we have our own graphics department. We have our own PR department. We we have a a lot of tools. In our bag that we use every day and have used every day out at NHRA. I mean, we probably feed two to 3,000 people every weekend out at an NHRA race in hospitality, our hospitality plus other customers' hospitality. There's a lot of things that DSR continues to do, and will continue to do, and will continue to expand in the crate motor business. We're gonna come out with a number of them. Uh, We're looking to come out with other parts for the Dodge and the Mopar brand, and just continue to expand the foundation that I've had with that company. When I first started my funny car operation, it was with the Dodge Charger, injected funny car. Uh, the cars that I drove on the street were different than that, but that was the very first funny car that I ever had, that I ever drove. And I'm thrilled to still be involved with Dodge Mopar today. And hopefully continue to build on that relationship and expand, uh, within their needs and what we can do here at DSR one of the things that
1: uh, i think is interesting that you had a hand in uh, pioneering uh, was these the what do you say the influx i think is the word of these b2b based uh, sponsorships and i think you know, I think back to myself as a as a fan showing up at the races or going to the races with my dad. And you'd walk up on these sprawling pit areas owned by you, obviously, that had, you know, gated entry and invited guest only. And I think sometimes people don't really understand what's happening in there. Right. The casual fan that's got a couple brewskis in him. You know, he's walking around. going, Why can't I go in there? Could you for those that don't understand it, Could you explain some of the nuances and the inner workings of those B2B relationships that uh, you brought to the sport where you're entertaining fans? Like, I don't think people realize you're feeding to No one is imagining that Don Schumacher Racing is feeding two to three thousand people a weekend, but that's a product of these business to business relationships that corporate America historically has found extremely
5: valuable, correct? Correct. Today, you cannot sell a sponsorship based on your name is going to be in front of all of these yeah, right. things Science. at the rate track this weekend. And we're going to get your TV coverage and you're going to be in magazines and newspapers and on the news. It's all really today about B2B. How are you going to create more business volume for your sponsor or target the needs of your sponsor, like the US Army. They needed recruits. So you need to go to them and say, I can get your recruits by doing this, that, and another thing. You can't go to them and say, your name's gonna be on TV. Your name's gonna be seen by all of the people in the stands. That program was dedicated off of recruiting. Recruiting people that ultimately join the Army. So. And you have to do that whether that be with wonder bread i mean that was all about having the truck drivers bringing the store managers out to the races because really the truck drivers were the salesmen for wonder bread that caused wonder bread to be at eye level versus up high or down low on the shelves at the grocery stores that's what that whole sponsorship was about. It wasn't about having a polka dot colored race car out there. Uh, And you have to look at every one of these relationships in a different light. Yes, every sponsor wants to win the world championship. But the B2B part of it where they can entertain their employees, entertain their current customers, entice New customers in your hospitality area that gives them a special experience next to one of these race teams and race cars has been very instrumental in what the sport has transitioned to today. That's why the majority of the teams either have hospitality all the time or they have it on and off during the course of the year because it's a necessary part of maintaining your sponsorship your involvement with your corporate sponsor
1: it's such a such fantastic insight because like you go talk to someone like josh hart And I think maybe people in the stands think, oh, man, RL Carriers, they really are, you know, they're big fans of drag racing. No, they're recruiting truck drivers, right? They're looking to recruit truck drivers. And I think it's people we always I've managed to always turn this. My guys make fun of me because I always turn this show into some sort of self-help program. But I do think this is valuable information for people that aspire to become drag racers at a professional level or even operate on a regional or local level. I, I go hang out at the races with some of my buddies or whatever and they're telling me they've got a sponsor and they've got one igloo cooler with some bud light in it you know i'm like well i don't know what kind of impression you're going to make on these folks like perhaps we should put some chairs out perhaps we should put a tent up that said is there a business there i mean i understand that you work with some of the teams in the pro pits to offer hospitality via dsr is that something that you guys see uh, potentially being able to
5: expand on there is a business there and and we currently Uh, do function as a business with DSR hospitality and look to continue in that direction and do the very best job for all of our customers that we possibly can. Uh, And we will always look to try to expand upon what we currently do, whether that's just supplying food, whether that's educating and supplying the whole experience for the the team and the the customers so uh that is part of our business that is part of what dsr does besides making cylinder heads and blocks and connecting rods and 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 uh that that is just one piece of our business here at dsr i one of the things that
1: i wanted to touch on before we cut you loose and again i appreciate you being so gracious with your time um Man, factory, I'm a door slammer guy. It's no secret. Listen, I appreciate 27,000 horsepower, whatever the number is, and 300, I appreciate it, and I love it. I'm a fan, but I'm a door slammer guy through and through, always have been, and a personal hero of mine, Mark Powick, uh, drives uh, for you in the factory shootout classes in NHRA. Can you touch on just a little bit of what you see in that program? Do you do you have an especial affinity for that style of racing, or was it more opportunistic, working with major manufacturers, or uh, because people think that you're getting out of drag racing? Well, How do you field three of these things right now on a full time basis? Uh, what, what's your take on that part of our part of your operation?
5: It originally came to me as a business uh, relationship, and I just said, okay, yeah, I can. I'll try to run one of those cars, but I'll only do it one way and that's to win a world championship. And a year and a half into it, Leah Pruitt won the world championship in the factory shootout class. Mark Powick currently holds both ends of the world record uh, in NHRA and the factory shootout class. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy the class. I believe it has a very strong position in NHRA. I believe it will continue to grow. Uh, Right now, this year, they run eight races. I would assume that they will continue to expand the number of races that they run per year. But a lot of the people that run these cars come out of the pro stock ranks also, and they're busy on the pro stock side. And if you run too many races on the factory shootout side, it's going to be a whole new World where you're going to have to have two separate operations to support both of them. So, how far it'll go, how quickly it'll go, it's hard to say. I mean, I I, I know the Pro Stock ranks; they've added races this year because of Kenny Kuretsky buying Maple Grove. Yes, sir. He wants Pro Stock there at Maple Grove. NHRA, fortunately is more than willing to do that and the teams are willing to do that to support maple grove the fans at maple grove but also the kenny Koreski family and what they have done to buy that racetrack and continue to make it a nhra drag race and the teams want to support kenny so all of those things are positives and You know, all of us out here, even though we're competitors, John Force and I may frown at each other at times, but I care very deeply about John and his family and his race operation and his race teams and such. As the same as John cares about my family, myself and my operation, because we know NHRA needs all of us. You know, Connie's a close friend. Everybody out there from Josh Hart to Mike Ashley to Justin Ashley to uh, many of these people and many of the crew chiefs out there at one time or another have worked with me or for me. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a small world out there of very talented people that fortunately we now have the Maynards, the Ron Caps the Antron Browns, the Tony Stewart's coming in, the Josh Hart's, the Mike Salinas, the kind of on and on, the Torrance's. I mean, they run a full-time one car team and a part-time second team. Uh, you know, they're, they're dedicated to the sport. They're a family that comes out here and races because they love to race. It's not about business for them, but about the rest of the people that I commented about, it's really about business. I mean, a lot of them take money out of their own pocket to do what they do, even though they have sponsors. But that's the way it goes at times. That is the way it goes, right? In every business, your business is profitable every year. At times you have to make adjustments. and I mean, it was just like the the year of COVID, 2020. Oh, my God. How hard was that on everybody? Not just on NHRA and NHRA drag racing, but on everyone. And then 2021, things came around and got better. And now 22, things are even better. Uh, That disease is never going to leave us. I believe I, Yeah, I can't you know, argue. I'm given my personal opinion about a lot of things that I probably should keep my mouth shut about, whether it be
3: <laughs> COVID no. or, or anything. <laughs> else. But
5: no, keep going. I mean,
1: I, it, it crushed us. I mean, I tell people that and I'm not uh, ashamed of it because I think sometimes uh, these things happen, you, you know, and we can't cry about it. I mean, our, our business was down 50 percent almost overnight, y- like you know, tried. Right. And I'm pretty proud of it. You know, I mean,
5: stronger today than you were then. Yes, sir. Prior to that.
1: I I made choices to be honest on. And I think I don't I hope a lot of people have experienced this, but there were several things in our business. Um, I've been in business for myself for a fraction of time uh, compared to you, but 16 years, but 15 years in, I never thought that I would be staring down the barrel of like, starting over. But that's kind of how it felt. I mean, I had customers that I'd been doing business with for a decade, that rang my phone and said, sorry, we're out overnight, you know, and I, it it was tough, but it forced me to make decisions that admittedly, I probably never would have made, right, I would have let these little kind of sloppy things and some of the stuff we're, I'd have let it slide because we could, you know, but but in that COVID environment, I was forced to make tough decisions that we are benefiting from right now, you know, and it's, uh, we're a hundred percent better for that experience and as tough as it was on the whole world. And obviously I wish it wasn't that way, but I am proud to be on the other side of it. And I think the sport of drag racing as a whole should really be proud. I think NHRA handled that deal, uh, fairly well, really well, actually. I mean, they were back in action pretty quickly. I, I recount going to the U S nationals, I think it was in 21, maybe. Yeah. 20. Excuse me. Uh, It all runs together at this point. But I showed up and I thought, here's a bunch of right leaning, conservative, rough around the edges people, right? And the NHRA is going to try to make them get their temperature taken to come in, sign 37 waivers and wear a mask. This is going to be a battle. And I remember showing up at the races and going up to the staging lanes there in Indianapolis and looking around and feeling kind of an overwhelming sense of pride because everybody was playing along. These are people that maybe don't agree with it, but that's how much they care about drag racing. That's how much passion that they have, is that they're willing to go up on the starting line and wear a mask. They're willing to get their temperature taken. They're willing, and it just made me proud because that's, drag racing is specifically the NHRA. This is a very uniquely passionate group of people that will walk across broken glass in many ways to get to the next race. And it, it honestly made me really proud of our sport to still be here and to be as strong as we are today despite all that's going on it's pretty amazing
5: yes it is amazing and, and and it was amazing like you said that everybody took the necessary steps and did the right thing to be able to race during that year even though the season was cut back to 11 right. races. it was difficult on the teams the team owners the sponsors Uh, you, your company, it it was difficult on everybody, but the economy survived it. Yes, sir. And came back stronger in 21 and stronger even in 22. Who knows if any parade will go back to 24 races or, you know, I I meet with the management there with NHRA, and I'm not I'm not about to guess at what they're going to do. Right. Uh, but they've made the right decisions so far, and they will continue to make the right decisions. Uh, we hate to see like the Houston racetrack go away, Atlanta go away, right? Uh, Phoenix is going to go away. Uh, these are just realities hated to see english town go away
1: me too i love that
5: place yeah it was english town was a special special place to go raise at. but uh things change the yes. world changes and we better change along with it and nhra did a great job in changing through the covid situation to where they are today
1: I couldn't agree more, Don. Well, hey, thank you so much. We went over our allotted time, but I really appreciate you being so uh, gracious again. Thank you so much. And congratulations. I mean, I think this is fantastic. I was talking to um, Brett Underwood uh, earlier this week, uh, uh, obviously a part of our team here at Drag Illustrated and one of your dear, dear friends. Uh, and Brett, he said, I'm glad the old man's going to get to go racing when he wants to you know, like if there's a golf course, you know, not feel tied to it, you know, not feel like you have to be there, be there because you want to be there. Uh, And I'm genuinely happy for you. And I, I I hope you know that I I truly appreciate all that you've done for our sport. It's not lost on me that you were out there when other people weren't. Uh, And it's just, it's an incredible thing, all that you've contributed. So thank you. And I can't wait to see a, a bunch more in the future. Can I butt in real quick and just just uh, comment on, can you check out all these wallies in the back, I know? I mean, <laughs> look at these,
4: I
5: mean, holy cow.
1: And that's not all of them, I promise you that much. There,
5: there's a whole other area here in this race shop lobby that is covered with them. I mean, 600 plus wallies we've collected over the years and it, it's been an unbelievable, blessing that that has happened i i have no idea how it really happened i put my head down i worked hard surrounded myself with great people they did great things for for me and the company and i've been blessed Well, Well, thank
1: you so much, Don. Last thing, we're getting ready to be joined by Art Kendrick, uh, from Redline Oil, one of my good buddies, Mark Beatty. I know you partnered with Mark Beatty and the guys at Redline earlier this year. Um, I'm sure that relationship will carry on. And, and I just curious if you, you, you know who I'm talking about, right?
5: Yep. Yep. I mean, it's a great product. It, It has worked phenomenally for us. And I thank them for, uh, Joining in with us, and I look forward to continuing our relationship and expanding our relationship.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, thank you, Don. We'll see you at the races. Okay.
5: All right. Take care. Thank you, Mike. Stay out of trouble.
1: Thank you. Bye. Is this real life? I can't hear you, Mike. Mike's, Why is Mike muted. muted? Mike you're I, can't, muted. I can't unmute him.
3: There we go. So, yeah. You, is you, this real you, life? He touched the buttons again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's man, crazy right great interview that and is great like you said the 600 Wallies in the background and that's a man that still has the humility to say he was overwhelmed when he won indie in 1970 and look what he went on to achieve after that pretty incredible
1: it really is incredible man and i to be able to talk to him and like shoot the breeze like that was i don't know a little overwhelming you know you were nervous <laughs> you were nervous
4: this morning weren't you yeah
1: yeah, I was. Yeah. Don't I mean, that fun, was man. that was. I didn't sleep at all last
4: night.
3: <laughs> I mean, Don Don's a you know he's pretty reserved. He doesn't give a lot of interviews. He's not out there. Have on, you been around on him on in the, the pits? Like yeah. it's
1: it, it literally feels <laughs> like you're on the field during the Super Bowl. It, it could be the first round of qualifying <laughs> at the at Pomona, and you're sitting. I mean, he just he has. There's an aura. That surrounds this dude that is in, it's extremely intense. And I've talked to him before. Like one of my favorite interviews that we've ever printed in Drag Illustrated was when we put him on the cover of the state of drag issue many, many moons ago. Mike, you might know off the top of your head, it's been a while. I but got like, it on the wall. hold on. Do you? I mean, it was like, I'm, that I'm gonna was i am I'm moment. gonna say
3: DI 102.
1: I think that might be right. If you nail it, what's the That's number? It? What number is it? What's it says on the side? It says on the spine 60. Oh, oh shit. You're 42 right. off. Okay, no big deal. No big <laughs> yeah, deal. No, Close maybe enough. another one. No too, big deal. Right? No big deal. Yeah, no, no big deal. deal. But I mean, having that conversation with him, I was full-blown terrified cuz DI 62, that had been or 60, that had been 60, yeah. I don't know. Basically 115 years ago. So, <laughs> it, it was a long time ago, but he's just uh, the way he carries himself and to be honest, a lot of what we do here is like I I'm not at all afraid of stealing someone's good ideas, right? Uh, Pablo Picasso, good artists copy, great artists steal, and I, I see the way Don carries himself, the way he, the way the team is operated, uh, the the pomp and circumstance. I know everybody gets tired of me using that phrase, but it's true, right? The the presentation <laughs> that you see when you're around Don Schumacher is, is over the top. It's to the nines whether you're in the pits. At one of with one of his race teams, whether you're with him at dinner, whether you're with him at his shop there in Brownsburg, Indianapolis, in Nitro Alley, I mean, they do it right. And I think there's a lesson to be learned for all of us. It's a high His time, longevity.
2: His longevity.
1: Like um, you know, he has these sponsor relationships that have lasted eons. It's very – that's not something that is uh, all that common. There have been some – I think there are some outliers. I think about Budweiser and Kenny Bernstein. I think about John Forrest and Castrol. But y- y- you don't have to – a lot of times it's two, three years, three, four years, and they're gone. Two, three years, and they're gone. That's not been the case with Don. I mean, he has these relationships that last forever, and my takeaway from that is that there was value there both yeah. parties both parties were feeling that there was a, a real value to it and the fact that he's uh, I couldn't quite pull it out of him I was trying to get a little bit of proud papa about what Ron Caps has accomplished and what Antron Brown is accomplishing and what Antron or excuse me Leah Pruitt and Matt Hagen are accomplishing by way of uh, their relationship with Tony Stewart racing but I think that will come I, I'm sure and I don't mean to talk at a turn here but he kind of mentioned it. it. It's hard to see your kids go off, right? Get in the car and drive away. Yes. They write country music songs about yeah, it. He said you know? he, wasn't,
3: he wasn't upset about it, but he didn't really know how to feel about it. It's kind of this in-between thing where, you know, it's, it's a range of emotions that he's You're so
1: invested with, in, sure. into that
4: person. Yeah. You know,
1: you really are. Oh, I mean, I, I, it's, uh, it's interesting. We've been blessed here at Drag Illustrated that most often when people join the family here, join the team here, it's a lifelong deal. Right? We're 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 together until death do us part. Damn, JT, uh, I didn't realize it's like what? No JC JC, this is the longest <laughs> d- this is the longest employment T's had in his entire life. Am I am I wrong? Possibly. a fact it's a fact but i mean it's true and i so i i can relate to it man uh jt make me big screen real quick let me take a minute to remind you all that the west buck show is brought to you by our friends at redline synthetic oils redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any other on the market and they've been doing it since 1979, whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to RedlineOil.com. Guys, we have another special guest as part of this barn burner of a show here. I'm a, uh, I'm pretty fired barn up runner. about this man. We've got take a drink. I'm just drinking water at this point. Sparkling lime, sparkling lime here get on tap.
3: Sparkling spiked from Leah.
1: That's coming. I texted Leah earlier and said, hey, where are we at on this spiked sparkling ice thing? That's you know, a primary I'm
3: objective.
4: tired
1: of talking about it. I need pallets delivered. You know? Exactly. That's, that's how we like to Don't roll. Don't drink
4: anything if it's not spiked.
1: <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the one, the only, Art Kendrick from Redline Oil. Woo! Well, everybody's supposed to. What's
3: up? What's up, Art? What's, What's up? up? What's up, dude? You got the backdrop full of uh,
1: oil and oil, oh, Red yeah, Red that's, oil that's, products. That's my
2: collection. That's nice, Nice. man. So, do you have like some vintage
1: 1977 1030 or something? I don't have (laughs) like it's a wine cooler.
2: (laughs) I I don't have any that I've acquired yet. At least not on the oils. I've got some uh, stickers and patches and some really cool stuff that that literally is as old as I am.
1: (laughs) How long have you been with Redline?
2: Uh, A little over five years.
1: No joke. Okay. So, I mean, you're uh, well-versed from what I understand. You, you're the, the feet on the street. You're the boots on the ground at many of the events. Uh, from what I've been talking about with Mark Beatty, uh, we, we got to talk a little bit about my buddy Mark. But um, <laughs> tell me, you've, you've been going to a bunch of NMCA races this year. You guys yep. announced, I thought this was a fantastic pickup. People sleep. On the NMCA, the National Muscle Car Association, Steve Wolcott, Raleigh Miller, the whole team over there. That's a tight run ship. They do a great job. Racers love being a part of that. Big following of of enthusiasts. What's been your impression?
2: I I think exactly that. I mean, everything runs really smooth. Um, You know, there's just there's not there's not a lot of drama. Um, You know, they 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 get they get you in, they get you out. Uh, They do a good job, you know, just trying to keep everything on schedule. Uh, Like I said, they they've really expanded, you know, what they offer as far as additional things over and above the racing, even, you know, to the point of car shows and other type things just to try to bring that other part of the, you know, the industry in. Um, So, you know, when you do come, whether it's as a spectator, as, as a racer or just a. A participant, I mean, you you get to, you get, there's something there for everybody. That's what's really cool about MCA.
1: What do you, whenever, I know that, you know, it doesn't take but two seconds to look around at the wide world of motorsports and see that Redline has their hand in, in their collective hands in a lot of different forms of our, uh, of racing. What, uh I mean, tell me a little bit about like specifically what you think, why Redline is such a great fit and, and provides such a great product for the sport of drag racing, right? I mean, this is like, I have to believe these are amongst the toughest conditions that any engine or drivetrain product is going to find themselves in, and uh, it's a wide variety of different combinations, different you know engine sizes, imports, domestic, and everything in yeah. between. Um, tell me what you know. Is there a certain passion, uh, a certain part of the DNA that makes Redline such a great fit for drag racing? I see the logo on. Well, we just talked about it, right? Top fuel teams, pro mod teams, uh, nostalgia, nitro, funny car teams, sportsman racing, and everything in between. I think the
2: biggest thing is, is we just, we don't cut any corners. Uh, we use premium everything and everything we do. I mean, there's, there's, you know, cheap oils, there's good oils. I mean, there's stuff in the middle. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I mean, we, we definitely, we over-engineer everything we do. Um, you know, so, I mean, whether you're trying to, you uh, you know, make more horsepower, whether you're trying to go faster. I mean, we have products that help you do all those kind of things. And like I said, there's other people that do it. They just don't do it as well as we do. Um, So, (laughs) you know, that's just, that's just, unfortunately, that's the truth of the matter.
1: No, I believe it, man. I mean, what is it about, like, especially, I think that there's always an interesting thing that happens when the people are truly passionate about what they're doing. Like we, I actually mentioned it when I was talking to Don, like sometimes in business, we do things uh, opportunistically, right? Like, hey, there's an opportunity over here for us to make some money. Hey, there's an opportunity over here for us to dedicate, you know, you know uh, double down on some things or whatever and make some money. It's not really our passion, but the magic happens when you're truly excited about something. It, it, is that is that something that permeates the entire team and culture at Redline where this is something we are genuinely passionate about? We're not just making oil for anybody who will buy it and racers happen to be willing this is something that we are genuinely passionate about.
2: I, I, 100%. I mean, like, if you go and actually walk through our facility, I mean, you'll see there there are people that have been working there for over 30 years. I mean, you know, they, they believe in the line. Um, you know, they've been there from the very beginning of it. Um, and like I said, it's just uh, – it, it's, it's really kind of humbling to be part of it.
1: What do you make of um, – right now you guys are bouncing – you know, you're involved in a lot of different teams. Is there a, pert- a certain part of this sport that – uh is something that really you connect with art that you're especially passionate about i mean we mentioned the nitro racing stuff i i admitted uh hand to god that i'm a door slammer guy through and through um is there a certain part of this sport that you're particularly passionate about
2: man i i love everything that goes fast i mean just everything i don't There's no shame in that i i I mean really i mean like i said i've i've got a definite affinity for mopars i love i love dodge uh anything mopar powered i've got my
1: condolences well, no, hey you know i'm just joking just it is what it is
2: <laughs> um, you playing. know uh that was my first vehicle and i've managed to still kind of for the most part keep that as my primary um but i am that conflicted person that i love the tuner cars too so i mean i've i've had eagle talons i've had you know mitsubishi eclipses and i've had other things like that i've done the mini truck thing uh, i've done the car audio thing i mean like i said at, at this at this juncture of my life though i mean You know, Mopar's where it's at for me.
1: (laughs) Hey, there's no shame in that, man. I'm curious, what kind of feedback? I thought it was interesting that I I was baiting Don. I was like, come on, uh, let's talk about Redline for a second. And did you notice that he like basically stepped on me to say, good, great product. Yeah. What kind of feedback do you get? I mean, I, I'm sure, I hope that felt good. I mean, hell, it felt good. I mean, what, what kind of feedback do you get from engine builders? I mean, I know there's a lot of options when it comes to uh, lubricants, especially in the racing industry. It's there, There's a lot of these uh, different companies and manufacturers, but what kind of feedback do you get from you know guys like Don Schumacher, Nitro Teams, engine builders that I know you guys work closely with? Uh Uh-oh, did we lose him? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think we may have lost him. Mike, I think we lost Art. Oh,
3: man, yeah. That was a great setup, too. Uh, Yeah, man, it was going great. That was a great setup. I I was enjoying this.
1: He froze up, full-blown froze up. Let's kick him out of the studio and see if we can't get him back. Um, how about that though? That comment from me getting—were uh, you as proud of me that as was I a, was of me yeah, getting down I mean, the talk Redline?
3: Absolutely. Like uh, that's—that was a pre-recorded interview too, and having <laughs> and knowing that you were going to make that transition—that uh, was pretty epic.
1: Oh, it was pretty cool, man. I—it's uh, it, neat to get that kind of feedback because a lot of times companies in this industry don't they throw money at a team or they throw product at a team. But when you get an authentic like endorsement, Oh, there he is. Uh, is. Sorry about that. No, you're all good. Big dog. Uh, Mike, I'll bounce you out of here yep. real quick. I apologize. Um, here, boom. Our, what I was talking about is what kind of feedback do you get? I mean, we heard Don give you guys a glowing endorsement there, but what, what kind of feedback do you get from engine builders? I mean, is it wear and tear? Is it, man, the bearings look good? Or I mean, what kind of feedback do you get from engine builders and people out in the field when they make the switch to Redline or report back after using your product for the first time?
2: that is exactly what it is i mean you know you get you get that i used to have to replace my bearings every race um you don't they don't necessarily have to do that anymore we have customers that have crazy failures like um hey my pickup tube fell off my oil pump i ran the whole pass with zero oil pressure and came back and the bearings are still good (laughs) um you know i mean it's 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 just i mean it's it's that good of a product i mean uh, if they're running you know any kind of you know exotic fuels, you know with alcohol, anything like that, you know, nitro, all that so even even as as harsh as that environment is on an engine, I mean, it still just takes that abuse and just you know, let's do it again. I mean, that's that's just where it's at
1: it's how how uh, I, I'm curious, like what kind of personal pride does the team, you know, like the offline conversations that I have with Mark Beatty, the, uh, part of the team there at redline, I mean, I get a kick out of how what's the word fiercely competitive that he is right. You know, and, and I'm kind of garnering that from you as well. That is that, does that kind of extend to everybody that's involved? It's like, Hey, we want, we're the best. We want everybody running our stuff and we will, we're willing to fight that fight.
2: Uh, definitely hundred percent. We're, we're all collectively team redline, uh, you know, and, and all of our racers, you know, we consider them to be part of the families. They're not just, you know, uh, someone who buys our product or, you know, we sponsor, I mean, like I said, it is a team effort across the board.
1: Cause it's not one of those situations where, I mean, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but like Uh-oh. you hear these, these stories, right. <laughs> about a team getting sponsored by so-and-so oil company or whatever, and they're emptying barrels, right. And putting a different product in it because and I, I mean, I, I may be talking at a turn here, but I mean, hand to God, that stuff happens in our sport. But I think it's interesting because, that's not the case when you talk about the Redline product. Um, it, it's something that people are proud to run, are, are willing to bear all because, hey, this is a product that is a difference maker for our race team. I mean, does that I mean, I'm sure that lights your fire on a Monday morning to start the week, right?
2: Oh, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, and like I said, it's just awesome to be, you know, at the events and like I said, hear these stories and get the praise and get the feedback, you know, help someone, you know, solve a problem or you know, just overall, you know, do better while they're out at the track. I mean, you know, it's whether it's a street car or, or a race car. I mean, like, so we can, we can always improve it.
1: What is the, one of the things that I find interesting about like lubricants in general is that it's not something that a lot of people are well versed in. You do whatever your engine builder told you to do. Right. I mean, I actually ran into this with my dad recently. I was like, Hey man, do you run, run red line in your pro stock engine? And he's like, I don't know. They're just doing whatever. And I said, no, you, you probably need to learn about this. What are some of the common questions that you get when you're out at the racetrack? I mean, do you find that racers are well-versed in lubricants and what they're trying to accomplish with their oil, or do you find a lot of it is just doing whatever they were told to do or buying whatever was available?
2: Well, you know, typically, obviously a, a race engine is a race engine. There's no, there's no warranty on it. You know I mean? You know, so it's not like you're, Oh, I, I put this in it and I went 20,000 miles and I'm, and I'm good. Right. Um, you know, so, so at the end of the day, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, a lot of it is experience from the teams. Um, you know, there's a lot of engine builders that recommend a lot of different things, but I don't think even they necessarily know uh, why they're making the recommendation other than I've used this in the past and it's worked. Um, so there, you know, it's definitely a, a struggle a lot of the times to uh, convince someone to try something new or to try something different. Um, but typically, when you can get them to step out of that comfort zone and do it, you can show them the benefits of it.
1: And I know you guys, it's uh, one of the things that whenever I've like researched our relationship and worked on various pieces of content for the magazine uh, as it relates to Redline, it's not just oil, but there's an entire slew of products. When I was hanging out in your guys' booth at um, the PRI show back in Indianapolis back in December, I couldn't believe how many people... I mean, you guys got an answer for about every question, right? A, a product for about every issue that that exists when it comes to lubricants and oils. Uh, can you kind of run us through some of the other offerings that you guys have? Because I, I do believe most people assume Redline primarily does oils, and they don't know that there's transmission fluid or gear lube, etc.
2: I mean, we, we are 100% full line today. I mean, we have everything from assembly lubes to break-in additives to obviously engine oils that we've talked about. Automatic and manual transmission fluids, you know, gear oils, uh, extreme duty gear oils like our shockproof products. Um, That's probably one of the most unique products that um, once people actually try that out, it just blows their mind. Uh, Because typically you make a lot of horsepower, potentially, you know, you could, you know, say bend or break a tooth in a rear differential. Uh, We've got this shockproof product um, that's available in everything from a really light one to a, you know, a heavy duty one. But basically, at the end of the day, it's our heavy shock proof. You'll see a lot of teams using it when they drain the differential. And it looks like Pepto-Bismol coming out. Uh, So people kind of freak out on that. Um, But it's basically a seventy five ninety that has an additive technology that basically increases the load carrying capability. So it performs like it's a 250. So you get the drag of a 90 weight, but the performance and protection of a 250. Uh, So, you know, it allows you to go fast and still just have you know, extreme power put to it without breaking.
1: Yeah. Like reducing the
2: chance of it breaking
1: the, the rare case where you get the best of both worlds. Where does that technology come from? Because, uh, I guess, forgive my ignorance, but as the lay, the, the layman, it's easy to assume that you whip up a batch of oil and you just start making a bunch of it. Right. So, I mean, I guess, is there a bunch of scientists in Houston that are that are working on this stuff all the time or, or how does that i mean take us behind the scenes on some of this stuff and forgive my ignorance
2: so so obviously you mentioned you know redline's been in business for 40 40 plus years um we're owned by philip 66 today uh, but we still uh operate as as redline synthetic oil uh we have one primary chemist and he's got some people that do help him obviously that's been with redline since the 80s i mean he created water wetter um he created shockproof i mean he is the you know, mad scientists behind you know all of why Redline is just so awesome, um, and and like I said, he's continued to uh, stay with us all this time, and you know, uh, like I said, it's it's a hundred percent the uh, the his ability to mix chemicals together and you know make new products that are just killer.
1: I'm curious, like when you are out and about bouncing around to different events, we talked about the NMCA, but I know, you know, talking to Mark over uh, the course of 2022, you guys have a hand in a lot of different types of racing. What's your, you know, one of the things that I talked to Don Schumacher about was just the overall health and wellness of our of our hobby, of our passion. I mean, what's your take on that, Art? I mean, do you feel as optimistic about, I mean, obviously there's some uncertainty in the world and there's some things on the horizon that can get us all up in our feels, but as we are right now, do you feel as good about like the motorsports community as 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 I do? Oh a hundred percent I mean you know
2: obviously you know we we do a lot of events like you know we do all the intimacy like you mentioned uh we just did hot rod power tour a few a few you know i guess about three weeks ago, and I mean that was literally you know between three and fifteen thousand enthusiasts at every single stop every single day. And uh, with the, the heat index over 112 degrees every single day, and you know gasoline literally at five dollars a gallon, and those people were still all there. Um, you know the, the racing's the same way. I mean, you know they're going every single weekend to every single track that they can make make it to. I mean, like I said, it's you know it, it sucks that you know gas and some of the other things are so high, uh, but with that being said, they're not slowing down.
1: It's interesting because I you know I, dare I say that, that racing has some recession proof qualities, but it's like when you're this invested and you're this passionate, you're going to find a way to race. And it's, it, it can, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because, you know, you hear the horror stories of the, the racer who's like uh, you know, spending his kids college fund uh, to, to make it to the points meet this weekend, you know, but at the same time that, that level of passion and commitment is really what's gotten our sport, To this point, is that we are willing to do whatever it takes uh, to pursue our racing hobby, our racing passion. And I guess uh, I'm just thankful for it.
2: 100%. And, you know, that that kid that they just spent his college fund on, he's probably there with, you know, his dad or mom racing. 100%. 100%.
1: Isn't that the case, man? Well, hey, dude, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I hope we get to do this again. I'm hoping to take in, I believe it's the NMCA race that comes up in is September's Indy, right?
2: Correct. Yeah, that'll be the finals for NMCA. Yeah,
1: the finals. I think I've always, I'm a big fan of the way the NMCA does their schedule. In this day and age, it seems like it's all about how many dates can you have? Like, let's have 27 races. Let's do 18 races. The way the NMCA does their schedule is, it's very racer friendly. Don talked about that with the NHRA. Like the, they made some changes here a few weeks ago, announcing that the NHRA season wouldn't start in Pomona in 2023. It's going to start in Gainesville. And it felt like, holy moly, did the NHRA just make a purely racer centric decision? My heart, I feel like the Grinch. My heart grew five <laughs> sizes, right? I mean, that just was a big deal. But do you, I mean, that's my takeaway from what the NMCA does and has done is it's very racer centric.
2: Definitely. And like I so said, they're just they continue to push to to get more out of every event they do.
1: Well, hey, man, again, I appreciate your time, Art. I appreciate you being a part of this. And uh, I hope, you know, I hope Mark knows the whole team at Redline, your support, uh, what we of what we do here at Drag Illustrated, the West Bucks show. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate it. We're excited about it. We can't wait to see what's next, man, what we can do together. And I look forward to talking to you again soon and hopefully go to that Indy uh, NMCA race together, maybe.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'm in. I'm in every single one of them. So you'll see me there if
1: you show up. Well, hey man, stay out of trouble. We appreciate yeah, we'll it, brother. It. All
2: right, we'll thank talk you very
1: much. to you soon. Don't run All off. Right. We got uh, Erica Ender's on deck. I believe uh, here in a few short moments we will also be joined by NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycle Pilot Joey Gladstone, Mike uh, JT. We we ran a little long on the Don Schumacher interview. I apologize to everyone. We're going to have to kind of blaze through some of this stuff. But when you got blazing, when you got <laughs> the Don on the line you let him do what he wants you yeah, wrong. you're not going to cut him off you're not going to cut him off but hey
3: back off. to great transition and having art on was awesome again we can't uh, say enough about mark Beatty and the whole team there red line uh they're kind of it, it seems like they have an increased presence in Absolutely. drag racing and in from the torrences to the deal with schumacher to the nmca and on down the line uh it, they're definitely much more visible now, and we're uh, glad to have them. As and I don't on I, again.
1: I don't mean to uh, talk out of turn here, but between us, girls, like it does feel like in a time where there's all these corporate roll-ups happening, right? There's all these. You know, there are companies that have kind of uh, not abandoned, but don't have the presence that they used to have to see Redline doing what they're doing in the sport of drag racing here in 2022, sponsoring entire series spot, you know, supporting podcasts. I mean, these are people who clearly share our vision for the future of drag racing and the future of motorsports. And I'm, you know. I'm not. I'm not giving it all to Mark. Uh, he may like that, but um, yeah, you we, know, can't,
3: we, we can't do that. His head won't fit through the doors in the no, Raisa.
1: No, they will. They'll have to get a booth just for Mark. There, yeah. <laughs> they'll have to get a booth for Mark. Yeah, yeah know? I know, right? But it is kind of cool, right? Because I mean, I you know, you hear the the rumblings that like, oh, this company no longer sees value in this, and this company doesn't see this as a measurable, and to see redline. You know, every time I turn around, Mark's sending me a text like, uh, "Here's the new Nitro Funny Car team we're working with," or and he's giddy excited like a schoolgirl that he's working with Don Schumacher, and giddy excited like a schoolgirl that he's working with Todd Tuttero. and I just, I don't know. That's my kind of people, man. I don't know how else to say it.
3: No doubt about it.
1: All right, guys. Well, hey, let me p- take a minute and pay some bills here real quick and remind you all that the West Buck Show is brought to you by FlowRacing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing, the world leader in sports live streaming. Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy and Sweet 16. Every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours funny car chaos world cup finals street car super nationals and much much more the platform provided by flow racing is absolutely positively changing the sport of drag racing for the better and there's no limit to the good they can do here so log on to FlowRacing.com today and join the movement mike t i do believe there's a special guest in the green room oh man i believe so oh my goodness uh, i I'm, is, this, gonna, is this goat material? It's goat material. Possibly it's what it is. You know what I mean? If she comes in and she's going like, "What do? You, what kind of sounds do goats make? Bah? That's sheep. She's, uh, yeah, no, she's gonna be mad. Yeah. If we, yeah, if we associate like, the the yeah. like goat, like what are they, whatever west. sound they make. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, like, high listen, uh, l- let me do a slight introduction. Fresh off a dominating performance at the NHRA Sonoma Nationals in Sonoma, California. Arguably the best to ever do it. I would the greatest female race car driver of all time. Send your hate mail to wesatdragillustrated dot com. The one, the only, Erica Enders. Give it up, guys. Yeah. Well, Whoa. What's up, EE? Oh shit. Can we hear her?
0: Hi. Oh, how are you? oh there <laughs> you are.
1: What's up?
0: I had it muted because I got. A are you
1: in an Uber Google. or a limo? No, there's one of them oh my goodness oh who's that is that bo butner uh, oh oh Jesus, here we go Man,
3: this show just went downhill
1: yeah
3: he's introducing himself over there oh yeah
1: richard probably wants us to spend like five minutes do a flyover say the national anthem or sing the national anthem, say the pledge of allegiance and welcome Richard to the show, Erica, congratulations. Um, look, she's rotating. Oh, Oh man.
3: How it? Pro. See that's yeah. goat
1: material right there. That's goat material right there. Uh, Erica, what's up, man? I mean, uh, we literally, it's no secret. We're big fans of you here at drag illustrated and the West block show. Take us through this past weekend, right? I mean, what a performance, uh, it's well known that we lost uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Royce Freeman Sr. a couple of weeks ago. And I know that you guys went to Denver with a full head of steam and a chip on your shoulder. But regardless, to to just be in the winner's circle after that and all that you guys have gone through in the last few weeks, how satisfying was that alone? Just if nothing else happens in the future, that moment, it surely seemed significant. E,
0: It was was definitely huge. Uh, Grandpa was a big part of our, our whole deal. As you guys know, he raced pro stock back in the 70s and kind of instilled the love of drag racing and his three sons, Richard, Lee, and Robert, who all work at Elite Motorsports. And Richard's obviously my team owner. So, um, you know, we, we had the services on Wednesday. We left Thursday morning for Denver. So there was really no no time to like let it soak in no time to grieve, just kind of go on to the next deal. And, um, you know, obviously we wanted to win for grandpa there and and I, I unfortunately got knocked out first round. Aaron had a parts failure in the final and wasn't able to win that one. So, um, you know, our next goal obviously was to go to Sonoma and get it done. And, um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, every new year's, I set my goals and Sonoma is always on my list. And for 18 years, it has somehow evaded us. And, and this year, um, this year we finally got it done, so it was a it was a significant win for me, um, for us as a family at Elite Motorsports for Grandpa and and a whole number of other reasons. But to win Sonoma was just freaking awesome.
1: How hard is it like for the team? And the coolest thing. Uh, about you or one of the things that I really get a kick out of, and there's only a handful of you uh, hired gun drivers that I, that we get to have these type of conversations with, but y- you are intimately involved, like the nuances of the car conversations with crew chiefs like Mark Ingersoll and Jake Harrison, and obviously Richard and everybody that's involved in the program. How hard is it? This isn't something that we talk about perhaps enough to go from fricking Denver, where you're making no power, you got all this gear ratio in the car, and then go to sea level. I mean, is that hard for you to wrap your head around, I mean, to make wholesale changes like that from one race to the next?
0: Uh, Yeah, it's super challenging uh, outside of the cockpit more so than inside of it, but there are so many uh, differences, uh, as far as driving goes, going from Denver back to sea level, the shift points come differently. Obviously there's more clutch in the car. Um, just drivability completely changes. And then you talk about the crew chief lounge upstairs. Like those guys are a wealth of knowledge. As you know, I I feel like Mark Ingersoll's the bestest business I've ever seen. And, um, you know, we got Tim Freeman, Rick Jones is back in the house this weekend at Sonoma. So that was pretty significant as well. But, you know, they have log books from years and years and years prior, but we made made some changes on my car. Like every time we run good or run well with the Melling Performance Chevy Camaro, we, I'm kind of like the test dummy. We put it in our customers' cars. So, um, you know, a few weeks ago, I took everything out of my car and put it in Bo Butner's car. Uh, Last week after Denver, we took, what I had run in Norwalk out and put it in TJ's car. And I had a completely new combination for Sonoma. So that kind of tells you why Friday night's run sucked a little bit. Um, they usually take like a couple runs to get the tune up. Right. And Jake is just awesome at that. So we went out on Saturday and definitely run, bet- ran better and it went straight to the top. So, um, it was a little bit stressful. I know that's a lot of information, but we're always changing stuff on my car and it's never the same. So, um, I try to put that out of my mind because the guys that are making the calls are, are the best in the world. And I just need to focus on my driving and Mark and Tim and Rick continue to give me this good race car. So the weight's on my shoulders, right? To not mess up. And, and that was kind of what I said in Norwalk when we, when we performed so dominantly, um, if I can just be 20 or better all day today. I'm going to hold the Wally at the end of the day. That's all you have to do, just your job. And uh, those. that's my mindset uh, for the last few races. And in Denver, I set up to be 20. I was 22. Mason threw something at the wall and it stuck and, and he was able to beat us. He did a great job. You can't take anything from him and, and they definitely ran better, but that first round exit really <laughs> really sucked. But um you know going back to Sonoma, we we ran really well and and I was in the 20s all day, so that's uh, that's what it takes. You're
3: actually we have your reaction times. 011, 021, 018.
0: Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean, and I don't mean to just sound like a fanboy, but like it it is kind of amazing that you can even have that kind of conversation with yourself, right? Like, because if you told. Most heads up drag racers, oh, I just need to be 0, 020 or better. No big deal. I mean, holy moly, you know, but uh, it's, that's it's crazy it takes, that you though. put that's what it takes. What do you make of pro stock right now? Like you look at Aaron, and it's crazy some of your toughest competitors are parked next door. Um, but I mean, even Greg has really stepped up his game on the starting line. Um, obviously, uh, Dallas Glenn, a hitter, Camry Caruso, the list goes on, Mason McGay, hey, all these guys what do you make of the environment in pro stock? I mean, I know that for the sake of TV and media or whatever, we want to make it like y'all hate each other. And if you want to go that route, we can. Um, but I mean, it does feel really different, right? I mean, this is a hyper competitive group of people. I don't know that there's anything like it in the NHRA right now.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Pro stock has always been super competitive, um, this year, where the difference lies is there's an influx of, of younger drivers out there. Um, you know, Greg Anderson and I joked around at the beginning of the year. It's him and I against a bunch of kids. And, I mean, that that really is what it is. We have Aaron Stanfield, TJ Coughlin, uh, Bo Butner. He's a couple years older than me, but he's in our camp. Then we you have the Quadra boys who are in their early 20s. Um who are tremendous behind the wheel and poor Christian has been one thou on the wrong side of it two weeks in a row, but those guys can go double double O at will. Um, you go outside of her camp, you got Kyle Koretsky and and Dallas Glenn and, um, it's just, it's tough. It's stout. So, uh, you know, it kind of, you have to rise to the occasion and I feel like that's what kind of changed when a couple of us came into the class, 18, 20 years ago. Like you look at the class average before that, these guys are 50, 60, 70 on the tree. If you drag a 30 up there, you're going home now. So it's a, it's very competitive, but I, I love it. I, I, I love the pressure. It's awesome.
1: Right now, the performance across the board, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys and gals go fast, uh, but it it would appear, especially rewinding back to Norwalk, that that elite performance engine under the hood of your Melling uh, Performance uh, Camaro is a difference maker right now. Having some of the offline conversations that I've had with uh, different members of your group, it sounds like you guys are spending a lot of time in in the engine shop, a lot of time on the dyno, uh, well, can you take us through, I, I think somebody was asking you this in the media center when I was watching your media center interview from Sonoma, but take us through some of the effort that goes on. Maybe no, maybe not everybody completely understands that even when it's back to back races, I mean, there's still an ongoing effort in Winniewood, Oklahoma to make more power. Find one, find two, find five.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, when you're finding just a few horsepower here and there, it, it, makes a huge difference for us when the when wind lights are separated by just a couple thousandths of a second so you know the fashion in which we lost the championship last year greg had a dominant car and i know i've said this in a number of interviews but he had a dominant car he and it still came down to the wire in pomona him and i racing in the semifinals for for the world championship basically i would have had to go on gone on to win the race but but he crushed us and that just gave lit a fire under all of our butts to go back and go to work not that we hadn't gone to work before but um just to get back to work and and that's exactly what the guys did so um they have a they have a great handle on things right now if you're if you're sitting still you know you get blown blown past so um i feel like all these people are getting back in the car but i feel like um that's what i'm sorry fucking serious.
1: you're fine <laughs> um, i i actually like this better it's great yeah. the
3: exit. Um,
0: but they they are all hands on deck at all times and um you know we we make changes in the engine shop also that that don't work out that don't show us uh advances on the dyno and that stuff that actually never makes it to the racetrack so um every time we find a little bit we, uh, we go out and test it. And we've done a lot of testing this year. Uh, T.J. Coffin and Bo keep coming in to get their cars better. So um, it's just a, it's an effort from every angle. And we've got 42 employees now and we're on the road full time. So it's just it's crazy. But a lot of people don't understand the work that goes into it. So that's why it's so easy to get um, a little frustrated with these guys that think they know everything on the Internet. And I read a I read a comment from a guy the other day that says, all pro stock is is a bunch of people paying off Carl Fultz. And <laughs> Kyle, our, one of our engine builders, he said, well, let's let him go buy something from Carl Foltz and come run pro stock and we'll just see how he does if that's all it takes. So a lot, yeah. a lot of stuff goes into it that people don't understand, a lot of sacrifice and uh, just a lot of hard work. So I have the best guys in the business, that's for sure.
3: Erica, you. I'm, I'm looking at some stats here that we've we've got after your win in Sonoma, and you shared the winner's circle three times with Brittany Force this year. Uh, there's been four times in 12 races where at least two women have won the pro categories. You and I have talked about this off camera, but I'm going to kind of put you on the spot on camera. I believe now you're seven wins behind Angel Sampei for the winningest female in all of motorsports what's on your bucket list what, what what things are you trying to achieve as you've entered this era of your career you're having this dominant season what are some things that are left i actually the win in sonoma was something that was on your list as something you've never done so what is left on your list that you want to achieve in your career
0: well when i first started out i i didn't want to just be the best female i wanted to be the best period and um you know we obviously have a long way to go to do that but but, um, you know, as a, as a little kid looking up to female racers like Shirley Muldowney and Angel herself and, and Shelly Anderson and Shelly Payne now, like, those were those were my female heroes. And to be, you know, even mentioned on the same list as, as someone like Shirley Muldowney, it just, it blows my mind. And I remember the race. We won the U.S. Nationals in 2015, and that was the race that put us one win past Shirley Muldowney with 19. Um, she has 18 total. And I just remember I remember that feeling, and obviously, you know, the goal again to be the best ever. Um, we're within seven of Angel, but she keeps winning, so that makes it hard to catch her. But, you know, sharing the winner's circle with Brittany Force has been really awesome because she's worked really hard to become the driver that she is. Um, you know, I'm good friends with Alexis DeJoria, who just keeps pounding away at it, and it, it's fun to watch. And um, was able to qualify in the pole with Leah and Angel in, in Sonoma, and, and have done it with a lot of females uh, over the years. And um, it just, it's significant. So I want to setting the goals high, right? Uh, pass on gel, whatever. I feel like, uh, 99 wins with Greg Anderson is a little far fetched. I don't think I want to do this crap that long. I just don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we'll do the, we'll do the best we can all the time. And, and we're obviously uh, competing for our fifth world championship this year. That puts us on a list with, I think Bob and Jed Coughlin, um, Greg Anderson, it just the names that that I'm mentioned next to it, it blows my mind because the Mount kid, Rushmore. That's the Mount Rushmore
3: <laughs> yeah. of pro. It really is. It really. I mean that you're you're in that uh, tier now with with your accomplishments over the last few years.
1: Well, I'm going to do the same thing uh, to you that I talked about with Don. And I I, I Don Schumacher earlier in the show we, we checked in with him, and it's just I, I, there's a lot of young folk out here that that are aspiring to make it right, and. Can you do you have any like insight? I mean, uh, that you could provide just as far as what I know this journey would be very difficult to encapsulate in a few minute interview here uh, on our show. But when you think back about, I mean, go back to being in a junior dragster or super comp racing or trying to get a pro stock ride. Is there a, a handful of things or one thing that you point to as being a significant contributor to your status here today, Erica?
0: Oh man, there have been so many people that have helped me along the way that I couldn't have gotten this far without. Um, obviously, starting with my my dad and my mom and my sister, and my sister's the ultimate hype girl ever, and and I couldn't do a lot of this stuff without her. It's nice to have, you know, another chick on the road among forty plus men and um, that are act like your older brothers that you never wanted, but <laughs> they're they're awesome. Um, but you know, going back to the beginning. Um, I went and got my alcohol funny car license because I was working with a nitro funny car team and that was before you know uh, Ashley and Melanie had driven in nitro funny car and that was the route I was going and I won Houston in Supergas uh, a national event and in my interview instead of talking about funny car which is what I was full-on working on um, they asked what do you what's next for you and I said I don't know why it came off my tongue but I said I love pro stock I love that it's a driver's class I love you have to leap with the clutch you have to shift and you know, Bob Fry, um, went to work for him. not for me, but he just mentioned me to Stevie Johns, who was kind of wanting to get out from behind the seat and, and just continue engine building at Victor Cagnazzi's. And Bob set up an interview with me and, you know, I had never driven anything like that, let alone let the clutch out in a pro stock car. And, and they gave me a chance. Like they flew me to Charlotte and a few weeks later, I had a job never having driven a pro stock car ever. So that was the start of, of, of everything. But along the way, you know, working with Cagnazzi and then going to drive for Jim Cunningham, knowing that you weren't going to qualify, but just going to keep your name and face out there and, and to get the seat time and, you know, not qualifying and losing first round a lot when I was with that team. Um, I spent a lot of time on the guard wall on the starting line, watching the routines of these drivers and, and what they did and what they liked and what they didn't like. And as a young kid, I just became like a student of the game, much like TJ Coughlin is right now. And, um, and I think a lot of that worked, a lot of that helped. Um, and, and, don't you don't just get to well a lot of people do now you back then you didn't just get to step into state-of-the-art equipment with the baddest team in the world with horsepower that's capable of running up front you you didn't have opportunities like that you had to find the money you had to get the seat time you had to make yourself better so i feel like that's a, a huge difference in back then and i'm not that old i don't think yet but from back then to the way it is now and and I, I listen to a lot of interviews and, and watch a lot of people, and it just, like, it blows my mind, not how unappreciative they are, but how just expectant they are to go out there and, and do well. Um, it, it's tough. and Well, yeah,
1: it's for- funny. I'm glad you said that, E, because one of the things that I run into is I, I feel in this, I think maybe – Extends across all of our sport right now from technology uh, to just the the availability of big power, um, reliable power. I think we've all kind of become desensitized to this a little bit because, you know, and I want to back up real quick. The reason you're not old, it's that you started so young. Right. I mean, most yeah. people, the three start, of us
3: are all the same age. So. Yeah. We're all Listen.
1: so be easy yeah. with the Listen. old comments, you know, <laughs> but it's uh, but it's true. You started so young. But I, I get what you're saying, because I look at people that come into the sport and I can't really go any further than my dad. Like you can ask Richard Freeman about this. Like my dad basically sacrificed everything, like everything to try to chase the pro stock dream and never did get it done right? I mean, n- never did get it done. And, th- and that list is long of the people that have tried. I mean, think about Max Naylor, right? I don't know why he came to mind, yeah. but I mean, Jaeger. this dude had Jägermeister as this, a sponsor, this would have been JT's cashed favorite in his UPS retirement, right? To like, to go pro stock racing and was out here for two years before it was up in smoke and that he's one of dozens of people. So I, I Completely appreciate what you're saying because I look at some of the young folks that come into the sport right now, and I'm not bagging on them. I mean, good for them for jumping at the opportunity, but it's way different now. And you know what? You don't have to look around any probably further than that car you're riding in for the people that are re- responsible for creating that environment where you can go buy a program. You can go lease an engine, and it's it's reasonable, right? Is it cheap? No. Is it affordable? No. <laughs> but it's reasonable. Right. And so I, but I understand your frustration, you know, because you, you came up during a time where the most successful teams had engine shops and CNC machines and, you know, the rest of us were, you know, buying leftovers. Right.
5: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So like back when I first started, I remember trying to gather up the money to go do this. And and just to put into perspective how affordable it is now—wrong word to use—but it—but it really is. If you're if you have the budget to go do something and you can compete professionally at the highest level, and and have a chance to go out there and win, um, it is pretty cheap. But when I first started, like the the most inexpensive. Uh, engine leasing program at the time that I was trying to find money was Larry Morgan's and it costs $800,000 a year just to lease an engine. That's before you buy a car, a hauler, pay for your guy's salaries, um, put the, put the trucks and trailers on the road, all your expenses. Like, so back when I first started, it cost $2.4 million a year. That's a hundred thousand dollars a weekend when we were running 24 events. It's just, it's mind boggling, but you can go get your pro stock license, bring your helmet and fire suit and come jump in. My car, TJ Coughlin car, Bo Butner's car for less than a million bucks. And that's something that Richard Freeman and Greg Anderson and Jason Line at KB Racing really worked hard to do to get the car count up in our class. And I feel like they saved pro stock, right? They uh, they at least made it go in the right direction. So it, it definitely is affordable and it's way different than it used to be 15, 18, 20 years ago. Well, it's
1: interesting because I think that there's a lot of there's a lot that can be taken from that and applied to many other parts of our sport. Sometimes you got to take a step back to take a step forward. I mean, I've had people ask me like, Hey, what would you do with this deal? What would you do with that deal? And I'd be like, if it was a tape player, I'd hit rewind, right? Because this deal has escalated to a point of uh, instability and it's never going to be able to sustain that. We've got to pull it back and it's tough sometimes and sacrifices have to be made, but, uh, no, it's it's an incredible thing. I, I know we've you're out in, I believe, Lake Tahoe in the midst of the, the Western swing. So we won't we won't take up too much of your afternoon. But I, we had your sister Courtney on here a few weeks ago. And I said this to her and I, I may be uh, just making this up, but it does feel, you know, tabling everything we've talked about prior, you know, the other people in the class. It does feel like you're racing with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Um, are, are you headed in? I mean, you mentioned how tight things were. Uh, despite the fact that Greg Anderson was the class of the field and it, it would appear by all accounts that he had the best car on the property throughout 2021. Is there a chip on your shoulder to just leave be, there be no question, right? I mean, it, that's kind of how it seems that like, Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if Erica's got the championship wrapped up in Dallas. I mean, is that what you're trying to accomplish?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I want to, uh, I think we're stomping their throats right now, but I have no plans in letting up and I know my guys don't either. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like we're racing for, for something a little different. Like the goal for everyone, everybody we compete against is to go out there and win races and compete for a world championship. And, you know, the count with the countdown coming up and the points reset, you know, things can change. And I've been I've been out here long enough to know that the pendulum swings in different directions and it and it usually hangs in a certain area in pro stock for just a bit. So I'm hopeful that we can continue this trend. I, I feel confident that we can, but who knows what's on the horizon. You know, God has has bigger plans than we do, but um, you know, there's, we're, we're past the midway point in our season and, um, you know, we're gunning for this fifth world championship and absolutely the goal is to have it wrapped up before Pomona, you go on there without all of that stress, but, um, you know, there's a lot on the line and, and I think like the older we all get, the more you realize the sacrifices that you make, whether it be you know, time away from y'all's wife and kids. And, um, you know, same for myself, giving up a lot of things in my personal life to come out and do this just as my guys do because they believe in it. Like they spend all their time away from their wives and kids to, to be out here because we all um, believe in this common goal and, that, and that's to win the world. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't wanna say like a chip on my shoulder. I don't wanna sound negative or, or even envious of what others are doing because I'm not, I, I could care less what i'm what i'm tired of is is being nice all the time and being taken advantage of whether it be you know letting somebody live with me for for free and teaching them the ropes and then having them not even speak to you or you know there's a lot of examples how people can screw you over but it, the point is you got to you got to keep your eyes on your goal and not worry about you know the clutter in the background the the naysayers the people that talk crap on the internet like as a human it obviously bothers you but like all of that stuff has to go by the wayside and you just have to focus on what you want and believe it with a hundred percent of your heart and, and give it all you have. So that's my plan, um, for the rest of this year, whether it be the rest of my career or whatever, but that's uh, that's my mindset and it took me a long time to acquire thick skin. It took me a long time to acquire the, the huevos to, to say and do these things, but I'm here now and, and that's what I'm going to do.
1: I, I got to tell you, I love it. I mean, and I, I think having something of a chip on your shoulder Is not a bad thing. And I hope you know that because it
3: shows that you're human. I mean, you said it right there, you know, you're a human being and you're reacting to these things that way. And it, and it allows people to relate to you. I think having a chip on your shoulder is a, is a human element and it, and it shows that, you know, you're not immune to the different pressures and everything that's going on or reacting differently to how your career, where, where you are in your career now versus where you were, like you said, twenty years ago. So it's it again plays into what we preach here all the time of showing us how you truly feel and showing us your emotion.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for noticing, and I don't, I don't want it to, uh, to come across like you, you look who. I'm gonna mention Shirley because I've looked up to her my whole life. But you look at the things that she had to go through back in the early days when it wasn't okay for women to do what we're doing, and how she must have been treated. And she literally gave her life, her her husband, her children, her um, her capabilities of, of walking normally because of her injuries that she sustained in crashes. And you and you look at that, and you wanna you wanna think how you view things when you're 80 years old, and you and you gave all that up for for what so um I try to not like my dad said that to me last night like when I told him I was coming on your show he's like make sure make sure you're positive because he knows that I've you know kind of have an attitude this year as well and and I I want to reiterate the fact that I'm not being negative about any of that stuff because it this sport has given me a life that I could have only dreamed of, and I'm, I'm super thankful for it. I, I give God the glory for that, and I'm, I'm a very blessed individual as well as my family and the guys that I get to do this with. So it is all positive, but it's, it's, it's about focusing on ourselves and not necessarily carrying other people who want to freeload off of your back anymore, and, that, and that's what I'm done with.
1: I, hey, I, f- f- hey, from your mouth to God's ears, I, we <laughs> appreciate it. And we love that. That's something that drag racing lacks in many ways is that we need more emotion shown. You know, we need people. This is how we capture the, the attention and the imagination of the, the masses is by being humans. I mean, I think about, you know, like the Kardashians are famous for breathing a couple other things, but <laughs> primarily <laughs> for, for breathing, you know, yeah. but you think about that. But we we get wrapped into their soap opera right? We get And that's, we need a little bit more of that in drag racing. So I appreciate you being uh, so willing to be candid and honest with us. Uh, Erica, go to lunch or or go enjoy yourself. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us on a Wednesday afternoon here on uh, the drag illustrated show.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. And again, like I always say, thank you for your, your passion and your love of our sport. I love that. It's always at the forefront of everything you guys do. And uh, Mike, you're the best West. You're the best. I appreciate both of you guys.
1: Thank you. Be Thanks careful. You're, you're the best. And I think, I, I'm telling you, greatest female race car driver of all time, but I think perhaps <laughs> the greatest of all time. Go. Uh, go, Thank you. go, I'll
0: keep doing my best to to, to prove you right i promise
1: <laughs> thank you erica be careful all right and good luck in seattle uh hopefully you can round out this western swing with another win uh it, man this has been the most exciting western swing that i've gotten to watch i think maybe in my entire career so be careful all right There's tell richard horn. to quit I richard
0: <laughs> i know right oh my
1: god him in that beard and goatee okay hey thanks erica appreciate thanks, it cheers see you oh my goodness guys what a deal what a show do we get to Barn do this burner? and call it a job? Scott Scott
3: Mompass said, "If he if you get one more <laughs> hand to God, his wife's okay with him skipping church this week." <laughs> Did I say it that much? Oh yeah! Uh, shut,
4: shut up, mean, dude. I, I'm on like six beer or something.
3: <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know how many times you said it, but that I was just I said a, it that was an times. epic comment that we needed to highlight man i think great. we're
1: gonna have a very exciting show next week because speaking of Scott and some of the the stuff that's going on behind the scenes it's been a wild week in drag racing right i mean there's all sorts of stuff going on and it's wild that it's been exciting despite the fact that you know no prep kings has been on a, a nearly month-long break we're in between pdra races um you Which know the, got? the radial PRA, series is on PRA pause pro
3: stars this weekend yeah man, are you excited MVP? about that? I'm genuinely I am, excited man. about it. You yep. have to support these one-off shootout deals. And it's and I'm excited. I I I am as excited for this race as any PDRA race because I just I love the environment uh they're they're doing a chip draw, right? I mean yep. it's 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 something different. It's a shootout baby. And yeah, it's a shootout. So that and uh I think it's August 12th, right? That MPK returns to Tulsa. Um, I think that after the long layoff those guys are gonna be chomping at the bit and we're gonna see well, we're gonna see the new shocker car, oh, the Larry question. Jeffers shocker, what changes to combinations, what new rivalries have formed. We saw some we we've seen some of that significant with drama Odom, over the weekend Odom. between uh,
1: John Odom and Marty Robertson, yep. which is going to be fun to kind of dive into uh, perhaps next week. I actually reached out to Marty uh, this morning and he's at the uh, NHRA double header that the competition uh, comp eliminator is running in Topeka this weekend. So he's at that event. So we couldn't get him on the show today. I do think we'll get Marty on here next week so we can kind of dive into this deal a little bit. Uh, Marty is a longtime friend of drag illustrated Fodi F O D I f-o-d-i and uh i'm excited to kind of get his take on this for those that don't know there's a lot of controversy on the internet right now about i mean there there's some he said he said she said going on and it, it's exciting man i know that everybody gets up in arms about this stuff and i i think it does get too far gone sometimes right it's over the top or it, it, it seems manufactured but hey man a, a genuine beef i'm all here i'm here for it
4: oh i know and but he's like he, this guy's like uh Man, that, that announcer can't call you a street outlaw like like you're not in the club yet, like you don't have your cut yet, or something like that. It is like
1: what oh, we should get about? leather jackets yeah, know, made for like, him or leather about, uh, you, vest made for you, him.
4: You've been on the scene for what five minutes and and rode Justin Swanstrom's coattails to get there. You oh. know, between a rivalry or something. It's like oh, yeah, <laughs> he's firing shots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's, not, really it's not. It's not. We're,
3: we're like, gonna get cuts. It's not. It's not. Soa. It's npk. That's gonna be. the... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Like, like, oh it, my uh, goodness!
4: It, it makes like zero sense. Like, uh, hey man, that announcer can't be saying your name. Like, well, you're not an announcer. Well, it just. But know? it also like,
3: goes to show how protective these guys are over that. And once they've, once they're racing in the Invitational, or once they're even racing in futures or wherever, they are putting that stamp on their deal. And it shows how hot that whole brand is. How how coveted being a part of that deal is how I think that that's the interesting part. Do
1: you think that there's other forms of drag racing that could potentially benefit from that approach? Because like at, at times I'm reminded it's, it, it's, of like,
3: it's exclusivity. That's, it's exclusivity. That's what we're missing man. more than it,
1: anything. You know, and it's being a part of this, uh, highly exclusive club, like you said, and turning people away, uh, being willing to do that. There's great power in that. And I look at some of the other parts of our sport where I would argue the racing is every bit as good, if not better, right? But being that it's come one, come all, it loses some of its luster. And on the heels of the success of no prep Kings and all that they've accomplished across four and a half seasons, they're in the midway point of their fifth season or pretty close to the midway point of their fifth season. I look around the sport of drag racing and I can't help but wonder what's the next club. What's the next invitational that's going to come up because that, I mean, that's where my money is. That's what I, if I'm PDRA, similar to what they're doing with the pro stars event this weekend, man, if you can start packaging this up as something that everybody wants, but not everybody can have, you can really change the power dynamic. And I can't help, but tip my cap to like Pilgrim studios, discovery channel. It's hard to create.
3: It's hard to create that, uh, environment and that, uh, desire for people to, want to gravitate toward that. And it doesn't just happen. You don't just say, I'm going to do that. And it happens. You have, it takes time. It takes all these elements to create that, um, pomp and circumstance is that that's our other drinking game. So whoever's on that one, you're off the hook now too, but (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Listen, when you talk to a camera as much as I talk to a camera, you're going to say the same shit a few times. Like, that's right. I, I mean <laughs> just just so everybody knows, this come camera, on in. This camera, come will on zap in, your the brain, water's man. warm if you yeah, want to try have, it. Um you're going to say you're going to repeat yourself a little bit, man. <laughs> you I can I have literally
3: all the great preparation and you get in front of this camera and you're, you're saying like, the same yeah. three <laughs> catchphrases
1: <laughs> over and over. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean that, that's no why, that's how catchphrases become catchphrases.
4: That deal with the invitational though, that's hard to duplicate, you know, from from their standpoint, you know, t- to go somewhere else and do it because they do have the TV part, the the part uh, that you're looking at where you where you're going to get a little fame. But let me let me and argue to get a little though. TV time, and you're going to be
1: recognized in the, in the grocery store. And- I can't I can't replace the TV, but if I'm can't. one of these big money bracket race guys, just as a just throwing this out there, and obviously it would be very difficult because most of these deals are driven by entry fees, right? But like, say you could get a sponsor or you could get the entry fee to be high enough. I mean, personally, I would be much more interested in a million-dollar bracket race that has 32 competitors, the baddest sons of guns to ever walk the earth, than a million-dollar-to-win bracket race that has 600 entries. It'd be better to watch, right? You know, and it's it's not even better. It's just... I'm interested like what they wait, 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 yeah, wait, yeah. 32 guys are going to get together and bracket race for a million dollars. Are you serious? Or, or a hundred grand or 50. I, I know that a lot of times these things are driven by participation. So you need those entry fees. You're, you know, so many of these events are built around the back gate, the racer gate, right? They know they're not going to draw a ton of fans because so they, they have to charge a lot to, to offset the, the, the purse. However, if I'm Luke Bogacki, if I'm one of these guys that is the baddest of the bad out here, big money bracket racer, and I could pay 5 grand or whatever to dive into a 32, I mean, let me do some quick math here. All right, 32 cars, 5 grand each, you got 160,000 bucks. You do a 32 car 100,000 to win bracket race. You don't got to go 27 rounds. You got to go 5 against the baddest dudes ever. That's the most exciting bracket race ever. Am I wrong? I mean, I don't think I'm wrong. I I just, sometimes we get wrapped up. Drag racing events, we are really bad. We measure them all against Indy. Oh, there's 900 cars at the U.S. Nationals. There's 600 cars at Lights Out. There was 400 cars at the PDRA World Finals. I'm all for it, and I want to be inclusive. But if we want to be Showtime, if we want to be the Lakers with Magic Johnson, like we got to put on a show. Well, I and it's think gotta that be special. those
3: numbers represent the strength of the event or how much money the promoters making. It doesn't represent the quality of the show. And I Agreed. think that like you're saying the 32 cars that that would make for a better show and that I would don't think, better represent the quality of it.
4: And I don't think that there's much you can do. I mean, your money's going to come from the entries, right? I mean, cuz there's there's I mean, there's nothing you can do to make it great to spectate watch bracket racing.
1: But if you but but think about it, though, if you had if you told the stories of each one of these guys and all the races they've won and what they did and how they got here and you could get people invested in them, the racing. I mean, look at how let's be honest, some of the racing that happens on these TV shows is about as hokey pokey as the day is long. Right? I mean, no don't get me wrong. There's plenty of really good racing, but there's also plenty of these things that are farm truck racing a bone stock Volkswagen bug or whatever, right? I mean, it's the racing second. Well, no, yeah. You know what I mean? Not bone stock, man. It's got a flow master muffler. But it, you know what I'm saying? I just wonder sometimes if we could make this it feels at times we have lost our way as a sport. This is when we've put we've completely forego showmanship and putting on, you know, production and presentation. We forego all of that to get as many people to pre-enter and lock in as humanly possible, you know? And I just, when there's that many people, I mean, just imagine if the NFL playoffs included 400 teams. What? I mean, I can hardly...
0: But, yeah, that way. That I mean, way, Mike, it's a big well, deal to make the I, I'm playoffs.
4: Saying, I'm saying that though, just for Mike, just so his team <laughs> I knew, would. Actually I knew this is in. where
3: this was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah
4: I knew that's we'd be it was we'd be yeah. 401. Mike, we'd be yeah, number four. Mike and Brett. Yeah, they, It's special,
1: get right? I mean, I think that we. W- w- at times, we're inclusive to a fault. The sport of drag racing, and I look at that a lot. Like, and I know yeah, I'm about to make, go on you a make tangent. a class
4: for, for whoever. And you, well, yeah, Jim yeah, called, and well, man, yeah.
1: his car doesn't fit. And he's got, and,
4: he's got four buddies that, that would fit in that
1: class. Yeah, I get. You know what? So exactly let's go ahead and start about. a class. You know, yep. and I look. I mean, it happens time and time again. I mean, even even with my own events, we'll, we'll put on our events via Drag Illustrated, and the phone calls start coming. Hey, man, I can put together a purse to run. You know X two seventy five. Hey man, I can put together a purse to run nostalgia monster truck. Hey man, I can put together a purse for you <laughs> that, that, know a, a like small that. tire yeah. nostalgia funny car.
4: I'm in on the nostalgia, <laughs> right? I mean, the hey nostalgia man, monster truck, um,
1: we're running I called Winnebago, and they said if you'll let eight you know class C coaches in, they'll put up five grand. You know, I'm in on that too. That's I mean, fun yeah, as right? well. I mean, and I just in it. It's and I <laughs> Damn, get it because be, we all want to be we all want to be everybody's buddy, right? But we do this so much that we sacrifice the show, and the next thing you know, you're running the final of your marquee event at 4 a.m. because one of the Class C motorhomes generator died,
3: and then you're one about why the 3:30 no fans in the stand, and while no one's watching on whatever live stream. And I think that again, it goes, you can't. It's hard to have it both ways. There are a few events that achieve both, but more times than not, it's slanted one way or the other.
1: It really is, man. And if we don't do that, what's the enticement? for the Joe racer of the world to ever want to move up the ladder, right? If he's getting to race under the lights at Saturday, you know, nine o'clock on Saturday night in front of the crowd in, you know, nostalgia, nitro monster truck. Why would he ever want to aspire to race funny car or pro mod or whatever else? Why would you want to move up? You know, that's, that's the way it works. We have to make sure that we incentivize far beyond you know, payout and whatnot and exposure. I mean, you you want to get treated like a rock star, you got to race rock star stuff. you know what I mean? and I just and I think people are sensitive to that because everybody's proud of what they're doing. obviously
3: everyone thinks yeah, everyone thinks they're doing they're at the top of their sport. they're at the top of what they want to do, and that other stuff doesn't matter. Tough conversation we, to have. We have
1: to look at it collectively. It's a tough conversation to have, man. People get upset about it and uh, and emotional, but if you really dissect it, I look around the sport and I see, man, we're all so wrapped up in making sure there's a place for everybody we've ever met, everybody that's got a car, you know everybody and it's just that's why it's not special that's why there's no sizzle that's why there isn't a line of people out the gate because it's it's too readily accessible i mean there's a very common marketing principle that's it's actually not common because not that many people uh, think about it. But as soon as supply—excuse me—excuse as soon as demand increases, reduce supply, right? Because you want to keep that going and prolong it. I mean, it's the way. It's the reason a Chanel purse costs six thousand dollars is because the local boutique only gets two of them, right? Everybody wants them. How many does DHgate get? J- J- D- 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 H- say, like, jt's like get all of them shit
4: off dh right now <laughs> <For>
1: <laughs> you life. want a chanel purse yeah chanel bag and, i got the jt's more, got the more i order the less they get <laughs> it's truth man well hey guys well, this uh, real been, quick this has
3: uh, been west bucks ted talk thank you for attending yeah Sorry, y'all are welcome.
1: Uh, I want to run through here real quick and remind everybody that uh, my friends and racers out there on the World Wide Web that the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of the team at Elite HP, the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by real deal racers with over 100 years of combined racing experience who can steer you in the right direction. For all your racing needs, whether it's a turnkey Pro Mod car or a set of Pro Jacks. Check out their inventory at elitehp.com. Mike, JT, huge shout out to uh, Art Kendrick, Don Schumacher, Erica Enders. Uh, sorry, Joey Gladstone, we weren't able to, to get you on the show. We'll shoot for uh, next week. Again, another thank you to our sponsors Stroud Safety, Elite HP, Sand Haulers of America, Holly Performance Parts, Redline Synthetic Oils, uh, Flow Racing, and the list goes on. Guys, you got anything else?
4: That's, that's it man. So, man
1: Happy happy holy crap man it is happy hour if i've ever heard one dude um thank you guys for your help what a day eh don yeah. schumacher was on our show today
3: yeah man. that was a great interview it was good that might have that- been the mo- one of the most candid interviews he's done you think yeah yeah
1: i'm pretty proud of it we need to run it in the magazine like just type it up and run it in the
4: magazine nate's, nate's already, already nate's already on it
1: is he yep all right. Hey, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Drag Illustrated Facebook and YouTube channels right here on the West Buck Show. Thanks, everybody.
0: There you go. See you.